If you have your Bible with you this morning, turn to Matthew chapter 4. That's the first place that we'll get in God's Word today. Lots of God's Word in today's message as we continue today our series, Heart for the Kingdom. And this was the series that we were in back in the spring when the pandemic hit and just kind of turned the world upside down. And we had our building dedication for the legacy renovation scheduled for the first week in May. That obviously got paused and pushed. Now it's back on the calendar, Sunday, November 15th. And so I'm resuming this series, Heart for the Kingdom, leading up to us gathering together or joining online to dedicate this building to the glory of God and to the future purposes of God to reveal Jesus to this community, to see many precious people put their faith and their hope and their trust in him, to see revival in Lawrence, Kansas. Wouldn't that be amazing? Revival characterized by many, many, many precious people who maybe today are far from him coming to know him, giving their hearts to him, giving their lives to him, beginning to live differently. Listen, the kingdom of God was the primary motivation, mission, and message of Jesus. And Jesus used the word church only a couple times, just recapping and reviewing, just laying the foundation for this series. He used the word church only a couple times, but he used the, the word kingdom, which is the Greek word uh, basileia, over a hundred times in the NIV translation. He said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it implying that we are called to be an active force advancing the kingdom. But the main mission, motivation, and message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. Matthew 4, verse 17, captures the moment that Jesus is launching into his ministry. And watch what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. In other words, think differently. Turn from the way you've been living and begin to live for God. Repent for what the kingdom of heaven has come near as Jesus was sending out his disciples, it says he gave them power and authority, Luke chapter nine, to cast out demons, heal disease. He sent them out to what? Tell everyone about what? The kingdom of God. Luke 10, nine, the same thing. Heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. To the 120 in the upper room, he gathered with them, the Bible says, for 40 days. And watch what it says. I would think what Jesus was sharing with them should be important to us. And it says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about what? The kingdom of God. Acts starts in verse 3 of chapter 1 with that. And then it closes chapter or verse 31 of chapter 28, speaking of Paul, saying, saying Paul proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So we are the church, but our message and our motivation is to build the kingdom. At Rev City Church, we want to be a church that builds the kingdom, make disciples that make a difference. Listen, more than a corporate vision, and this series is installing some vision into the life of our church. But more than that, this is personally what Jesus made possible for you and for me. Colossians 1 has been a key scripture. And, and, and in verse 12, it says, he enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into what? The kingdom of his dear son. Listen, I'm intentionally recapping some of these things because it's important that this goes beyond our head into our heart. And I'm trying to preach more than just a single message. I'm hoping to inspire a movement of kingdom living in our church and in our city. Not looking to just preach a sermon, but to cause for there to be a shift in the way that we think about and live out our faith in Jesus Christ. To continue to build and deepen a culture in Rev City Church, in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages that is committed to the building and the advancing of God's kingdom above everything else that we can be about in life. It says that he's enabled you to be part of the kingdom of life. He's rescued you. He's made you part of a family. He's given you an inheritance. This family that's not just any old family, it's a royal family. And listen, that's significant because here's what we know about royal families. They are established by blood. We tend to think in democracies and republics and there's a big election that's coming up. And, and listen, the kingdom that you are a part of, the family that Jesus has brought you into is not dependent on politics or popularity. It is sealed and secure by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're part of a royal family and your belonging in that family cannot be shaken, stolen, or taken from you. It's not because of you. You could never earn it, never deserve it. It's only because Jesus came, laid down his life, was dead, buried, and raised again to life so that we could become a part, not of a church or a 501c3 organization, but the kingdom of the most high God. Someone ought to say amen. amen. He didn't come to build an organization or a denomination. He came to rescue his sons and his daughters 
out of an old life of darkness into a new life, a fresh start, new creations, living in the light of God's kingdom. It's about relationship over religion. In Romans chapter 14, another key verse in our series, the the early believers are already beginning to kind of fall into the trap that we can so easily fall into ourselves, just kind of going about this thing called the relationship with God in a religious way. They're arguing, they're beginning to debate about which is the right day of the week to gather and have church as God's people. What are the things that are allowable to eat and drink and what are the things that shouldn't be eaten and drinking? The apostle Paul thankfully weighs in and he says, listen, the kingdom of God is not about those things. He says in verse 17 of chapter 14, he says, it's not about eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I've encouraged you that this is what God has made available to you as part of God's kingdom. Righteousness, which is more than just good Christian behavior. There is a holiness that he calls us to, to be set apart from the things of the world and and to consecrate ourselves to live for him in purity and holiness. But righteousness, according to the language of the Bible, is a position, not a behavior. And here's what the Bible says about it, that, that he who was not sin came and was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Isn't it interesting that perhaps no three things, the kingdom of heaven, it's not religious rules and regulations, it's righteousness, right standing with God, it's peace and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. Perhaps no three things are more under attack in our culture today. Identity, righteousness, who I am in Christ, who I am, that I belong to God, that I'm a son in a house, in a kingdom, a royal family, that that's under attack today, that that identity is under attack. Come on, people are are so under attack in the realm of their identity, there's confusion about am I a man or am I a woman? And where there's confusion, if we'll introduce the love and the heart of the Father, I believe that Jesus longs to bring healing and clarity. A kingdom identity. Maybe it's because we've gotten away from really raising up our kids and speaking clearly from our pulpits about who we are in Christ Jesus. You must find your identity in Christ because inevitably the enemy is gonna show up on the scene and he's gonna begin to speak to you lies about who you are and about who God is. It's righteousness, joy, and peace. No three things under greater attack in our culture. Joy and peace, more prosperous than ever, more anxiety, stress, and despair than ever. Less peace, more financial security, more all these things than we've ever had generationally, but less joy and less peace. The kingdom of heaven, your inheritance, what Jesus made possible, his invitation to you is to do more than just become part of a church, but become part of a kingdom in which you inherit because of who he is and what you begin to discover about who you are in him. A sense of identity, this righteousness, my right standing with God, a sense of peace and of joy, a joy that is the strength of our our lives, according to God's word. That when circumstances of life come to steal our joy, what we need to understand is that's causing us to operate in a weakened condition. There's a peace, and how many of you know that with everything that we're up against, and these next 10 days are going to be interesting in our nation and interesting in our culture, that we could stand to have a peace that transcends circumstances and understanding. That's the kind of peace that God's word says that we have access to. Jesus said it himself, John 14, and remember, he's given you an inheritance because you've become part of a royal family. And so catch this language. He says, my peace I leave with you. Language that we use surrounding inheritance. What are you leaving to your children? And he says, when, I'm, when I went away to heaven, I left peace that surpasses understanding. I conquer death, sin, and the grave in such a way that people who call upon me, believe in me, and live for me can have peace that is not dependent on how things go in your life, but upon whom you know in this life. And Jesus is the one who gives a peace that transcends circumstances. If we'll pray, Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7 says, don't be anxious about anything. Lots of things that we could be anxious about. I mean, come on, maybe some things that we could even justifiably so be anxious about the future of our nation, the future of our nation for our children. But he says, do not be anxious about about anything, but in everything, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, already giving thanks to God, 
Lord, I thank you. I don't know the outcome of this, but I thank you that you do. You, you know the end from the beginning and everything that's in between. And I, I choose to trust you and I choose to look to you. I'm thankful that you're with me and you're for me regardless of who's in the White House or, or how things are going in our culture. We look to you. We trust you. Be anxious about nothing but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God and watch what the result is. If we'll be obedient to do our part, this is God's part, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm just revisiting this to underline this. It's got to move from our minds to our hearts that the kingdom of God is what God came, what Jesus came to make you part of. And it's a kingdom of righteousness, right standing, identity in Christ. It's a kingdom of peace. It's a kingdom of joy that transcends how things are going in your life. It's dependent upon only the, the understanding, this deepened understanding of Jesus loved me so much. He came and laid down his life to cover my sins, my guilt, my shame, deliver me from that old life, my old past, and make me new and give me a new life and a fresh start. That's the gospel of Jesus. And someone ought to say amen. You're the righteousness of God. You have peace that surpasses understanding. You have joy. In fact, I think it's worth just activating our voices as a congregation and just declaring these things over our lives, declaring these things over the atmosphere because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, by speaking the word of God and not just from a preacher or elder or a Sunday school teacher, but every man, woman of God beginning to speak and declare these things. So come on, repeat after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The peace of God will guard my heart and guard my mind in Christ Jesus. Someone say amen. He's rescued us to bring us into a kingdom of light. Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 10 says this. You once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. But now, listen, I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for but now in my life. And listen, if you still find yourself in this dark place, I mean a hopeless place, a place of despair, a place of wandering, maybe you've made some mistakes, maybe some things have happened in your life you never could have expected, you didn't anticipate, and maybe you didn't deserve, you still find yourself in that place, this scripture offers hope to you because I'm telling you, many of us once found ourselves in that season, but now can live out this scripture that was written, but now, but now, but now, I once was lost, but now I was, I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in darkness, but now I'm in the light. But now you have light from the Lord. So he says, so live as a people of light. So live, I didn't just rescue you out to get you to heaven, that's a good, that's good news, that's a good promise, come on, eternity is a long time, but he says, live this out, I rescued you so you could live differently, and build the kingdom, for the light within you, it says, produces only what is good and right and true, watch what he continues to encourage us as the people of God, he says, carefully determine what is pleasing to the Lord, and take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Shine the light upon them. And right there, as I was preparing this message, the Lord just used that scripture to remind me that every year I've tried to bring a pastoral encouragement, a pastoral caution, just a pastoral exhortation. And every year that I share this, I always introduce it by saying there is no legalism, judgment, or condemnation surrounding this. Just something that I really believe wholeheartedly that God's called me to speak into as a church. Just to put it, put the ball in your court as parents, as young men, as young women, to, to just say, God, how could we determine to live in a way that's pleasing to you and live out this scripture of fleeing from the things that are dark and living in the fullness of the light of God? And Halloween is coming up next week, and I know there's a lot of fun things that are surrounding that. Come on, it's fun to have fun. It's fun to go to parties. and Come on, it's fun to eat a bag of candy all in one day, right? It's fun, you know? But I want to encourage you that I think we all could easily agree we wouldn't even debate that the primary elements and themes and symbolism of the Halloween holiday are fear, death, and witchcraft. And I get it, it's challenging because of the culture that we're a part of. But maybe to get some different results, we have to be willing to do what Romans 12, 2 says and not be conformed to the patterns of this world 
but be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might know the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Listen, there's no judgment, just an encouragement and a request from the heart of your pastor to just say, just evaluate how you celebrate these things. And maybe, just maybe, it's actually an opportunity to gather your kids and gather your family. It's the decision that we've made and you can go do however. I'm, I'm just telling you, this is not one of those issues that we divide relationship over. But what we've made a determination to do is to gather our kids and say, you know what? We understand that some of these things are fun, but we're gonna look for other ways to have that type of fun because of the fact that the main themes and symbolism surrounding this are fear and death and witchcraft. And those things are not a part of the kingdom of light that we are choosing as for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. We're making a stand and we're taking a stand to just separate and isolate ourselves from some of those things and choose to not participate in some of those things that even have any shred of possibility of being connected to darkness. Listen, no judgment. If I see you out around town and you got your best costume on, come on, I'm just going to compliment your costume, okay? And then say, see you Sunday. And I won't bring it up ever again, maybe not till next year when I just once again just encourage you as parents and as people of God to just live this out. Examine and consider what is pleasing to the Lord. And be reminded that we are called to be a little bit different. We're called, the Bible even uses a word that we translate as peculiar. We're not called to look like the world. It might challenge us or cause us to maybe think about some things. It's going to cause us to have to live differently. Listen, there's, um, there's a family that recently uh, reached out to us. And they said, you know, what we're realizing is that as we're trying to identify sources of media and entertainment for our children, that there's really just not a good source. We have to just pick and choose and wade through all the stuff. And even in some of the things that, that at first a glance maybe look like they're wholesome, there's some undertones of some things that we don't want to be sown into the life of our kids because we want our kids to be raised to know God and serve God and fear God and build God's kingdom. And they said, but we found a resource called Right Now Media. And this resource has all kinds of libraries, library upon libraries of all kinds of Christian content, discipleship information, uh, family information about how to raise godly kids, uh, uh, content for our kids, all kinds of amazing biblically based godly content for our kids to consume. And they, they reached out and they said, would you just take a look at it? And I started to take a look at it. Honestly, I was a little bit skeptical at first about what would I find as it regards the quality or the, or the, the amount of the content, and I was blown away by it. And then they reached back out to us and they said, the Lord has put it on our heart. And this is no small thing, it's a considerable investment. The Lord has put it on our heart to make a donation to the Heart for the Kingdom Fund to allow us to have a church-wide membership to Right Now Media so that every single mom, every, every parent, every family has access to good Christian content that provides entertainment with a godly perspective. So yeah, it is worth celebrating. And so we wanna introduce that to you and invite you to engage with it and, and to begin to be blessed by it. So take a look at this video as we just unpack this for you today, Right Now Media. Welcome to our study of the Gospel of John. I have fallen in love with the work of Paul as I've studied the book of 1 Corinthians, and I believe you will too. This is where Jesus taught in Capernaum, and you have to understand this scene. The Lord is my shepherd. And over the next six weeks, we're gonna look deeply into the 23rd Psalm. Right Now Media. It's for groups. It's for personal devotion. It's for parents. The bullseye of parenting is to raise children who become like Jesus. It's for kids. This is Phil. We're digging into the Bible, which, as we've mentioned, is more than just a book. It's for tough times. So when you recognize that you're trying to have a conversation with your spouse and they're not ready to talk, it's not helpful to keep pressing right. them. It's for every phase of life. If you've made mistakes with money, you know what that makes you? Over 12. And now, it's yours. We've purchased a Right Now Media subscription for everyone in our church. So check your inbox for the digital invitation and download the app for instant access to thousands of biblically-based videos. Get equipped. Get inspired.
Yeah, give the Lord a hand. So listen, if we have your email address, you will have received today an invitation to log in, set up your account. And listen, there's no pressure obligation and there's no catch. It's just an opportunity to just dive in there and find out, maybe look for those things that might be a blessing to you. Or you come up against a challenge in your life, your marriage, raising your kids, your teenagers, to go and look and see if there's something in that library. And I promise you there will be that can be a blessing or encouragement to you. Just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes that helps you to see maybe with a little bit more clarity God's heart for whatever you're up against. Again, if you have kids, especially little ones or even teenagers, there's all kinds of amazing content on there that will just uplift them and encourage them to live out their faith. If we don't have your email address, there's a couple different ways if you don't get that email, you can let us know. You can text right now to 30500, and we'll send you the link to set up your account. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card that has some information, and as part of that card, there's a QR code that if you'll scan that, it'll get that link sent right on its way to your device, and you can register that way. So we really want to encourage you. Go check it out, and we hope it's a blessing to you. Come on, one more time. Can we just give the Lord thanks for, for that uh, 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 resource, that resource that we have available? And they, they called and they said, we want to make a, a pledge, a gift to the Heart for the Kingdom Fund. And I was just so taken, I was so struck by just the idea that already as we're just now, I mean, we're just now beginning to unpack what Heart for the Kingdom is and what it stands for and the, and the hope and the heart for the future of the impact that it will make, that it's already stirring faith in our church. That Heart for the Kingdom starts right here, that, that yes, we're going to continue to do international missions and Heart for the Kingdom is actually going to help us to increase the way that we come alongside some of our existing missionaries and dream about how we can partner with some of the future missionaries, some of, some of which might be sitting right here in this service. But, but it also starts right here with the way we invest in our own families, our own homes, our own community. And did you guys, were you able to get the picture of that Basketball court, I can't see you guys because you, got, you guys got that. I want, I want to show you this. Some of you might have seen it when you were walking in right there, but there's a picture of the basketball court that we just last week had installed right out here on the east end of our building. And here's what was I was blown away. That's made possible by the faithfulness and generosity of you guys who previously donated and contributed to the Legacy Fund as we cast the vision to renovate and bring renewed excellence to our facility. And last week, it wasn't up for two hours and already a group of young people from our community were out there playing basketball. Come on, shooting hoops in the shadow of Rev City Church. That was awesome to see. But here's, here's the idea. It's the idea behind investing in this Right Now subscription. It's the idea behind looking at this land and saying, you know, what could we do to build something and dedicate something that makes a difference in the next generation? And come on, there's going to be people of all ages out there hooping it up, right? But we want to invest in the future generation of our church. We need a, a, a generation of believers who embrace the idea that we need a move of God's kingdom in our churches, homes, and city. So it starts here. But Heart for the Kingdom, again, it's corporate vision and it's personal impact. We're gonna continue to think about how we can do things internationally. We're gonna come alongside Alpha Yasobili, who was a young man who came to study at the University of Kansas, got connected to this church, encountered Jesus in such a way that he went back to the Solomon Islands, which previously, just a couple generations ago, was a cannibalistic pagan culture. And he went back with the message of Jesus and that chain of islands is being turned upside down for Jesus Christ. He's opened a center to train Christian leaders who are starting Christian businesses and teaching their and training their employees and preaching the gospel to their employees. He's, he's bringing in people that operate in the education system and, and leading them to Christ and training them up to be Christian leaders and sending them back. They're transforming that nation, that chain of islands. We're gonna continue to come alongside him and say, Alpheus, how can we help you? How can we from Lawrence, Kansas, be a part, play a part, be a partner in what God is doing in the Solomon Islands? We're going to continue to come across alongside Rachel Costello, who is in a part of Mexico that I did not honestly even know existed. There's an indigenous tribe deep in the jungles that have their own language. And because they have their own language, they've never had access to the word of God in their own language. She made a decision to answer the call of God and go and live amongst the people, learn the language, and she's actively working to translate the Bible so that that precious group of people can read about God's promises for their life for the first time ever. Come on, that's exciting to be a part of that, amen? We're going to continue to sow and invest and look for ways we can increase what we're doing. 
For, for Brooklyn Cole, who's in East Africa in the nation of Kenya, gathering boys off of the street who have been abandoned or orphaned and giving them a place to live that is based and rooted in the love of God, helping them to discover that God has a hope and a future for them. We're going to come alongside her and say, Brooklyn, how can we begin to help you to develop those plans for what's in your heart for that home and that school? There will be resources that will be needed. And we're going to just say heart for the kingdom is going to be there for you to help you advance that vision because you're making a significant difference in the lives of those precious young men. We're going to continue to, to come alongside of, uh, of the, the, the young couple in our church. I won't say their name because this is being recorded. But they answered the call of God and they went to the Middle East to the nation of Turkey and planted a Christian church in one of the darkest places in all of the world. And we're going to come alongside them and say, how can we support you in your endeavors to bring the gospel to the Middle East, to the place where the church once started, but now is one of the darkest places most opposed to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to continue to support Gateway Center for Israel as they endeavor to preach Jesus as the Messiah to the precious Jewish people in Israel and all around the world. And how many of you know that the Israeli people, the Jewish people, really do have a special place in the heart of God? We're going to continue locally to invest through Heart for the Kingdom. And again, this series is intended to unpack this culture, this vision that we began feeling charged in our eldership that year, previous years passed. And for many years, our church has done 10% of everything that comes in, all of the giving that you and I give to missions and outreach. And listen, that's a good thing. I think it's pleasing to God. It's more than a lot of churches commit to do. But the Lord just began challenging us and, and, and asking us to think differently, to think bigger about how we could do more about how we could think differently, about what would it look like instead of 10% of all the revenue that comes into our church going to missions and outreach, that one day, and I don't know how long it'll take, but that one day as we continue to preach this culture of building God's kingdom and living for God's kingdom, that one day we'll look up and we'll see that there's a fund that has as much resources over here that we are shipping out and sending out to missions and outreach and helping churches and helping other ministries. There's as much in this fund over here as there is in what we're investing in our own church ministry. How many of you believe that that would be pleasing to the heart of God? And how many of you believe it would be exciting to look back two years, five years, 10 years, 20 years from now and see what we were a part of because there's so much more that we can do together when we link together, when we unify together, when we give the heart for the kingdom, there's so much more that we can be a part of. You have a part in Kenya. You have a part in, the, in Mexico. You have a part locally at the Insight Women's Center where we support them and we're meeting with them to say, what are the needs that your center has for 2021? And we don't know if we can meet every need, but we have a heart to come alongside you and say, if there's a need, for a 4D sonogram machine or whatever it is that helps the young moms that are facing unexpected pregnancies to see that little baby and come alongside good godly Christian counseling and advice and resources and support to help that young mama make a decision to preserve the life of that baby and give him or her a chance to discover and fulfill his or her kingdom purpose in life? How do you believe that that would be a good thing for Heart for the Kingdom to initiate and invest in? You're going to have a part in this. And again, we're, we're, we're creating and establishing this and, and sowing it into the culture of our church. Some churches have an operating fund and a building fund or a general fund and a missions fund. And what we're asking of our church family is to tithe to our operating fund to facilitate the ongoing ministries of the church the children's ministry, the life groups, the praise and worship, all the things that go on as part of the ongoing ministries of our church. But then we are setting up a fund called Heart for the Kingdom. And we're asking you to prayerfully consider every time you tithe to also just do something. Just do something for Heart for the Kingdom. And then to strategically, like what, like the Sunday that's coming up, Sunday, November 15th, at our building dedication, to strategically really get with the Lord and say, Lord, what would you call me to do generously, strategically towards Heart for the Kingdom? And so thank you for embracing this. And I'm just telling you, I really believe, I believe, I believe that if we will embrace it, and say, we do not exist for just for ourselves. We won't allow ourselves to just gather and rally ourselves into a holy huddle. We understand that we gather together into this place because this is intended, this place, this gathering, this building is intended to be a reactor for an uprising of God's holy love. We understand that this place is, to, is intended to, to be the epicenter of something that the shockwaves are felt all throughout our city, region, nation, and the world. And we say, yes, God. That's what it's going to require of us, to think differently, to not allow ourselves to fall into the trap where we see church as just what can bless me, myself, and I. 
but we begin to embrace the message that is the message of the Bible, to build the kingdom, to advance the kingdom, to reveal the kingdom, to see people rescued out of darkness into not just religion, but a relationship that God describes as a holy family, a royal family, a kingdom family. It's gonna require us to think differently. It's gonna require us to live differently. It will happen by God's grace. He will get all the glory. Everything that's advanced, everything that's built, everything that's established, everything that's initiated will all be to and for the glory of Jesus Christ. It will happen by grace, but it won't happen by accident. It will happen because we hear this message and we respond and we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Count me in. My time, my talent, my treasure, whatever it takes to advance the kingdom, we say yes. Romans 12, 2 says, I mentioned it earlier, but this is the place where it's actually in my notes. And it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. We've gotta be willing to not conform to maybe how the world sees that churches should operate or do operate. We've gotta be willing to get back to what God's word says because how many of you believe and know that in our churches, in our marriages, in our homes, in our families, in our workplaces, in our businesses, God's word works. And when we turn back to the word of God and we begin to live out and lead out those things, those areas I just mentioned and any other thing God's called you to according to biblical principles, it will attract the blessing of God. And isn't that what we should care about as the people of God? What can God bless? Not the patterns of the world, not the opinions of the world, not the preferences of the world. The Bible says don't conform to those things. Don't conform to those things. Let God transform you. Renew your mind. Let him cause you to begin to see and think differently. Don't be put in the box of what the world says is success. And that's point number one in my actual message. That when we begin to live for the kingdom, we begin to see things differently. The world says to live for success. The kingdom of God invites us to live for significance. And there's a difference. And the world is climbing the ladder and climbing the mountain and stabbing people in the back, saying whatever has to be said or done to achieve what the world says is success. But what if we get to the top of that mountain and we realize we were climbing the wrong mountain all the time. Maybe God's, listen, does he want you to prosper? Does he want your business? Does he want your practice? Does he want it to prosper? Absolutely. But you can gain the whole world and lose your very soul. You can achieve the pinnacle of success according to the world's standards and you can forfeit or forsake your marriage your kids, your health, your sanity. But when we live for Jesus, when we understand that living for the kingdom tears down the walls between sacred and secular. In other words, everything I do, working in my workplace, leading my company, serving in this church, going to my kids' PTA meetings, voting, whatever it is, you understand there's a kingdom assignment that's connected to it. And when you begin to see that, you begin to understand that there's a life of significance that God has invited you to that trumps and supersedes the life of success that the world says. Another way to say it is purpose over position. The world is consumed with titles and positions, and God calls us to purpose. And listen, this is good news because here's what it says is that regardless of your bank account, regardless of what's on your business card, you can live a life of significance and you can live a life of purpose if you dedicate and surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and do all things, the Bible says, as unto the Lord, not as unto human masters. We gotta see things. Don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's a kingdom that God has called you to live for and build with your hands, with your heart, with your marriage, with your family, with your business. Significance over success, purpose over position, faithfulness over fame. And I came across a study as I was preparing for this message that was alarming to me. I mean, one of the most alarming things I've seen in a long time, and it was a secular study conducted by a psychological firm that studied teenagers, and here's what they asked them, this group of preteens and teens, and here's what they said, and it was a large, massive study, and they said, what do you wanna be when you grow up? 
And the study that I was reading cited that in previous generations, the popular answers, the top 10 list of the responses of these teenagers would include things like this, doctor, lawyer, engineer, architect, mom, housekeeper, house mom, school teacher. And maybe those things would shift or change which one filled the top spot, but inevitably those things would be found among the top seven or eight things. The number one answer in the most recent study was to the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Asked of teenagers in America, and the number one answer was famous. Famous. And I, I, I read that and I thought, oh my goodness, is, is this really where we've come? And is it possible that because even we, in some ways, as the church and as Christian families, have conformed to the world and the and the desire to be liked and to get likes and to have influence and to gain followers that we've allowed ourselves to become more consumed with success over significance and, 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 and with position over purpose and with fame over faithfulness. I mean, just being faithful. That's the other invitation of the kingdom. Whatever God has given you, whatever God's entrusted to you, whatever God's called you to, I mean, come on, let's teach our kids and let's model what it looks like to just be faithful with it, to just be faithful with that spouse, to just be faithful with that job, faithful with that car to just say, Lord, I understand that everything that's good has come from heaven above and from you. And I understand, Lord, that it's not my own. It belongs to you. I'm just through it. And it helped me to be found faithful. It's what Jesus said he would look for when he came back. Will I find someone faithful? Fame. I want to be famous. Here are actual quotes from some of the kids that I extrapolated out of the report that I was reading. Here's a quote from an 11-year-old. My friends and I are going to make a YouTube channel. Our goal is to try and get a million subscribers. This is crazy because we've actually made, you can now just be famous for being famous. You don't have to contribute anything to society. I mean, really, I mean, if you could just get someone to, to, to look at your post and like it enough times, God calls us to live for significance, purpose, and just be found faithful. Another quote from a 13-year-old. First, I'm going to take it seriously, play travel basketball. I'm going to college for one year, see if I'm really good, and move on, and I want to be on a, listen to this, and I want to be on a really bad team so I can, like, be the star. It would be funny if it wasn't true. Me, myself, and I, I'll, I'll, even if I make it to college or the pros, I would like to be on a bad team so that I can be the one that has the spotlight and has taken the shots. And the study went on and it talked about the values. They also, in addition to answering that question, they had teens and preteens rank the values that they, in, 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 in the order of, of significance and importance to them personally. And what it read, and I'm paraphrasing, but what it, what it, what it showed was that previous generations said being a part of a community that makes a difference or being a part of a team that makes a difference in the workplace or in the community, that for previous generations, that would always inevitably be in the top seven results of these values that they presented and had these kids sort and rank according to importance, it, for the first time ever, it fell out of the top 20. Because the focus is on building our kingdom, building my kingdom, building my fame, building my fortune. And listen, does God want you to have influence? Does God want you to prosper? Absolutely hear me today. But the pathway to the prosperity that God can bless, the pathway to the influence that God can use is a willingness to say, Lord, I submit and surrender my life for the building of your kingdom. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet. Let's respond to this. Let's respond to this. Let's say, Lord, we, we, we wanna live for significance over success. We wanna live for, for purpose over position. We wanna live for, to be faithful over whatever it might be that might bring us some short-lived, short, you know, not, not lasting fame. We're willing to live differently, see differently. We're willing to live for, for what we can give instead of what we can gather. If we're gonna be a church that wants to build God's kingdom, it's gonna cause us, it's gonna challenge us, it's gonna charge us to have to think differently and to live generously. And listen, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that when we talk about generosity and giving in the context of church that we automatically think about money. 
And, and I will, I'll challenge us on stewardship and finances. It's gonna take provision. It's gonna take resources to do some of those things. I mean, those, that, that, that school and that home in Kenya don't just get built on their own. It takes resources that, that we're gonna give to provide the provision for the vision. But it's unfortunate that we automatically think about money and finances when we talk about giving because giving is the verb of the Bible. And listen, if we focus on building a culture, a kingdom culture of generosity, the resources will fall into place. But God's called us to be generous. Listen, giving is the verb of the Bible. God so loved the world that he gave. If he had loved us, but he was not willing to give, we'd still be lost in our sins. He's called us to be a generous people. It's a value. We feel so strongly about it at Rev City. We defined it as part of our family values that are in our vision book that we share with every new member or prospective member of the church. And I just wanted to share it with you. Here's how we wrote it down. It's not perfect. I mean, it came out of our just pursuit to say, Holy Spirit, how would you have us to characterize this, this idea that we want to be a culture of generous people to build God's kingdom. And here's how it came out. Culture of generosity, we live to give. Giving is a Christ-like lifestyle. We generously give forgiveness, mercy, grace, love, time, whatever is needed to reveal Jesus to others. Secondarily, regarding finances, we faithfully tithe as the starting point for extravagantly supporting and building God's kingdom through our local church. Is it about finance? Yes, just last week. Just last week, I had a breakfast with the guy and he said, my wife and I were so moved by this and we saw the building finishing up and the parking lot being finished. He, he, met, he took me to breakfast and he said, I, we are going to make a $60,000 matching pledge to the building fund. Would you share it with the church to stir their faith to give generously towards the building fund on November 15th? Listen, that's amazing. I mean, that's worth celebrating. Here's the, here's the thing, I'm sharing that. They, they, they wanna remain anonymous and rightfully so, but he said, I want, the, I want it to stir faith. We're stirred in our spirit about what God's doing. We've been a part of this church for decades and we're excited about what's about to happen in our church and we're willing to put our money where our mouth is. Go and tell the church so it stirs faith for what God's gonna do. So thank you for prayerfully considering how you can come and bring your first and your best, your generous offering to the building dedication on November 15th so we can match those funds. But listen, it's about so much more. It's about so much more. Do you know that in the scripture in Luke 6, and we'll close here, the scripture that we know that's often referenced with money, and it applies to money, but when Jesus said give, in fact, let me read verse 30. I don't know if you guys can just show verse 38 and not show verse 37, because that's not how I send it to you. If you can't, no worries. It, so, so give, verse 38, and then we'll back up to verse 37. Give, and it will be given to you, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You hear it preached about money, and it, and, it, and it does apply to money. But read the verse right before, verse 37. Again, he's saying, give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, back to you. Watch what he says, verse 37. This is the pretext to verse 38. Do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Generosity is about the way we live with everything in our life. Mercy's needed, I'm, I'm gonna be generous with giving mercy. Maybe there's even something I could judge someone for because of what they said or what they did, I'm gonna just be generous with restraining and extending blessing towards that person. Forgiveness, and here's where I wanna end because the Lord really highlighted this to me in my spirit as I was praying over this very moment forgiveness, that there are some people in this gathering today and maybe perhaps joining online who God's calling you in this day and this hour to be generous with forgiveness, that there are some people that maybe there were some real violations. I mean, hear me, real things that were really hurtful, really painful, unexpected, unforeseen, and undeserved, and that God is calling you today to discover a grace and an anointing and an ability to be generous with forgiveness. I mean, listen, hear me, hear, hear what, what God was, I mean, this is, this is key, this is huge, this is gonna shift some things for somebody today. That God looks down and he sees there was a real violation. I mean, they really said what they said and did what they did. 
but that this is an opportunity when you find the grace and summon the courage and the strength to go and extend the forgiveness that God's gonna look down and say, that's an extravagant generosity. That's extravagant. They really had a right to be hurt, wounded, offended, upset, disappointed. They, they really did, they, that, they really got offended. They really, there was something that really was done to them. It's an opportunity to live this out and say, Lord, I might even feel justified to continue to hold that grudge or that bitterness or that offense or that unforgiveness. But you've called me to be part of a kingdom of generosity and so I'm gonna ask you for the grace and the anointing and the strength and the courage to go and release them and forgive them. I mean, fully release them. Listen, you need to hear this this morning if that's you who I'm speaking to. When you forgive them, it does not make what they did right. When you forgive them, it does not make what they did right. It just makes you free. Real hurts, real wounds, real offense. The other camp is someone that maybe you realize that you need to go and ask for forgiveness. And so if that's you, and in the first service, many people responded, and so I, I just, some maybe real serious issues that, that this is speaking to for others. Maybe it's something that the Lord's just highlighting that you don't dwell on often, but maybe the Holy Spirit's just bringing something to your remembrance today like, yeah, I need to pick up the phone, call that person to extend this forgiveness in the spirit of living generously. If that's you, would you do something for me today and before God? Would you just lift your hands before God? This is a biblical posture. The Bible talks about the lifting of our holy hands. And I like leading people to respond this way in these type moments because this posture represents two things all at the same time. And one, it's the presenting of something. It's the releasing of something. It's the bringing of something before God. That issue, that hurt, that wound, that offense, whatever it is, I'm presenting it before you with the commitment to leave it at your feet. And in the same moment with that same posture of presenting that thing and bringing it before God, your hands are open saying, Lord, I receive. I receive the grace, I receive the anointing, I receive the courage to go and to say or to speak or to pray, whatever it is you would have me to do. And you can't control their response, but you are responsible for what you do with God, what God is speaking to you. So Lord, thank you, now let's pray. You can keep your hands lifted or you can put them down, whatever you wanna do, but Lord, I pray for everyone who's had the courage to respond to this for what you're quickening in hearts, God, I pray, Lord, that there would be a grace and an anointing and a strength, Lord, to go and to have that conversation, to either ask for or to release and express, Lord, the forgiveness that you would have us to release today in a way that represents the generosity. Your word says, Lord, that freely we've received, so freely go and give. And we're mindful, God, of all that you have had to forgive us of. And we pray, Lord, that there would just be a grace. Just prepare the timing, prepare the hearts, Lord, for those conversations. Lord, we know that we can't control their response, Lord, and we pray that you, there would be grace if someone reacts wrongly, Lord, that there would be grace to just once again, just quickly extend forgiveness. But Lord, we pray that there would be testimonies come out of this divine moment, this holy moment, this appointment with you and your Holy Spirit, God. There would be testimonies of the people of God being set free and of relationships, Lord, being restored, God. Some of it maybe might happen instantaneously in that moment, tears of repentance and reconciliation. For others, maybe there's gonna be seeds that are sown in their hearts and it might take days, weeks, months, years, but you'll know that you did your part. And so Lord, we just pray your blessing, your provision, your anointing over every one of those encounters that you're preparing the people of God to go into. Lord, help us to be a generous people. Help us to be generous, Lord, with forgiveness, with mercy, with our resources, our time, our talent, our treasure, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, that's needed in the moment to reveal the heart of God, to reveal Jesus, we say yes. We say yes. We commit, Lord. We want to be a generous people, a kingdom-building culture at Rev City Church. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Lastly, before we worship, the most important thing we do every week is give you an opportunity to come home to Jesus if you're far from him. And maybe you're here in this room, maybe you're joining us online and you realize you're far from God. Maybe you've been conforming to the patterns of the world, trying to do it in your own strength, trying to live out according to the ways of the world. And listen, today's the day of salvation. If that's you, today's the day. You're not hearing this message or this invitation by accident. You're hearing it because of the heart of a good father, hear me, who loves you so much and loves you too much to leave you where you are today. He sent Jesus, the cross of Jesus as an invitation. He's reaching out to your heart today. And he's inviting you, he's calling you, and he longs for you to come back home. Not to religion, but
but to a kingdom that's underlined by relationship with him. Listen, if that's you, you're far from God. Maybe you're a prodigal son or daughter who's drifted or you've never given your life to Jesus. If that's you right now, quickly, don't delay. Just lift your hands high towards heaven. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. And listen, what's the lifting of your hands is an outward evidence of what God's doing in your heart. And even if you're online, and thank you for being patient in this moment that we do every week, lives changing in this moment. I know we've got football and pot roast and things to get to, but right now in this moment, if you're online, I think it's important for you to also, maybe you're not with another person, but just it's important for you to also, you're not responding to a preacher or a person, you're responding to God, your heavenly father. It's important for you to just lift your hand as well. And listen, if you're lifting your hands here or online, we we're gonna pray this prayer with you. And we do this by design every week for two reasons. And the first one is to quickly show those who are responding to Jesus that there's a church family who wants to come alongside you and love you and encourage you and champion you and cheer you on forward to the purposes of God, the kingdom purposes of God for your life. And two, we do it because every week we have the opportunity to declare this while partnering with those precious people who are giving their life to Jesus. It reminds us that we might be maturing in our faith, growing in our faith, but we never graduate from grace. We need Jesus as Lord and Savior today just as much as we ever have. So come on church, with boldness, can you pray with those who have responded this morning? And repeat after me, Father in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. Thank you for sending Jesus. Pay the price I could not pay. And make a way that I might have a new life and a fresh start. I give you that life. I give you my trust. And because of Jesus, because of the cross of Jesus, I'll never be the same. And come on, put your hands together and rejoice with all of heaven for the precious people who gave their lives to Jesus today. Oh, thank you, Lord, that never gets old. Hey, if you're here in this room, and you dedicated or rededicated your life to Jesus, we have a gift that we would love to give you. It includes some resources, including a Bible just like this one that I preach from, the Fresh Start Bible. If you're online and you rededicated or dedicated your life to Jesus, we'd love to send you the same Bible, those same resources. If you're here in person, you can stop by the Welcome Center right out to your left on your way out. Just quickly tell them, I dedicated or rededicated my life to Jesus. They'll put that in your hands. If you're joining us remotely, there's a couple things you could do. You could text, if you're in the continental United States, you can text NEW LIFE to 30500, or if you're international, you can email us newlife at revcity.com. Oh, isn't God good? Hey, is someone excited about the opportunity to partner together and build God's kingdom with our lives and with our resources, with our time? Come on, he's worthy of that. Can we give him praise one more time? Give him praise one more time. Hey team, come lead us one more song.